Welcome back to Songwriting Saves the World. This is season four, the business season. This season, you're going to get an insight on all things behind the scenes in music. We are talking to songwriters, A&Rs, publishers, and producers. And we're so excited to be back and to be giving you guys all the real piping hot tea about the music industry. Woo! Let's get into it. So Ali Tramposi is an incredible songwriter. She's written for so many artists like Kelly Clarkson, Five Seconds of Summer, Justin Bieber, Camila Cabello, Charlie XCX, and many more. And we're really excited for you to be on the show and to chat with you today. So thank you for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. Before we get into the interview, we have a quick icebreaker question for you. And that's mm-hmm. if, if money were no option, who would you pay to write the soundtrack of your life? Wow. Right now, I'd have to say Kendrick Lamar. Mm, oh, that's a good, good answer. I'm just always inspired by his, his lyric, every his his the level of of creativity is just otherworldly. Yeah, yeah. He's and he's just currently what I'm I'm listening to. I mean, I I listen to to Damn for the last five years um, mm-hmm. until this new album came out but yeah he's just uh he's he would be my number one right now yeah it's a good answer That's a good yeah. one. <laughs> so would you start with giving us a background of kind of your musical journey and just a summary of where you started and how you got to where you're at now i started out in i'm from south florida and <laughs> are you from south florida yeah, I'm from Miami. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, so I'm from um, Delray Beach, which is an hour north of there. I actually went mm-hmm. to engineering school in Miami. Oh, sick. Um, at SAE. Yeah. Sweet. And um Yeah, and I, you know, was on the um, the artistic pursuit um, prior to knowing that there was really a, a career for songwriters. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, you know, I started at 15, um, just, I was always, music was always a part of my life in school. My mom was my school principal and she always put incredible, uh, theater programs, music programs, mm-hmm. um, which I think is, is, you know, ha- was really instrumental in shaping my career, um, and just my passion for the arts. And so, you know, I... I would try eventually I just from you know word of mouth I met some producers in Miami after I got my driver's license and just started (laughs) making music and I got signed uh, to a record label when I was 17 Mm. and um, made a full album and that will never (laughs) see the light of day ever (laughs) but um and then I yeah I mean long I mean it's obviously a very long story but um I guess the short of it is I went to engineering school in Miami at around when I was 17. I graduated high school early mm-hmm. and I um, I met a lot of I, I also learned during that that time at school that engineering was not my forte. Mm-hmm. But I, I met some incredible people, guys that I still work with to this day, um, the monsters and strangers. And I... Yeah, I just, I graduated and moved to L.A. Um, when I was 22, 
just based off of some of the relationships that I had made in Miami. And at that time, that was before, you know, there was any information online of how mm-hmm. to do, how to navigate the industry. So yeah. it was purely based off of resource of, you know, connections yeah. mm-hmm. and a lot of lonely hours sitting by the phone, hoping that somebody would <laughs> reach out. Um, and yeah, I just, when I moved to LA, I learned that there, you know, were more opportunities for me to get into the studio as a songwriter than there were mm-hmm. for me to work um, with the producers and people I wanted to work with for my for my project. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, as time went on um, and money was running out, my dad, you know, mm-hmm. was sort of had a, we had a time stamp on when I could... Uh, <laughs> continue like yeah. how long it would take me to and um I was signed to a publishing company called Perfect Storm um who was found it was founded by this incredible Swedish writer named Jorgen Ellefsen mm-hmm. and that was just you know the universe you know being the universe just sort of at the very at the 11th hour uh-huh. I just was like right before I was about <laughs> to move home he you know, he started a publishing company and it was distributed through Sony and he signed me and I um, spent a lot of time in Sweden working with him, learning cool. a lot um, through him. And um, and within the first year of being signed, we wrote Stronger for Kelly Clarkson. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that was a really, um, really interesting time because... It was right at the beginning of Spotify mm. and the streaming platforms, and um, and it was—I mean, it was an—it was an awesome. It was such a smooth, easy process getting that song recorded, and it's just like everything was done right. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I was sort of—I um, thought that it should all be that easy, right? Yeah, but I learned the hard way after that process. But it was—that was really. Um, really fun and exciting, and that gave me my my um, that sort of put my name on the map and mm-hmm. gave me the credibility that I needed to meet the right mm-hmm. people and just you know set up my career in LA. Um, what I didn't know was that I wasn't emotionally equipped to deal with what came mm. from having a hit record yeah. at that time, which was the just intense pressure to follow it up and um I don't believe that I had enough experience um yet to like navigate you know just to navigate uh sessions Mm -hmm. and um but it was you know it was really exciting it it went that song took me to it was nominated for song of the year at the Grammys Mm -hmm. and I haven't had that nomination since then um but it's, yeah, I mean, I learned, you know, it, it definitely helped me, helped me get my foot in the door. I think, I guess, yeah. So after the, after Stronger, um, I, I worked with Simon Cowell on the X Factor. Mm. I did a lot of different things. I mm. wrote for One Direction. There was a lot of, um, you know, projects that were sort of happening. And I hadn't, it, but I still had not followed up, um, stronger with a bigger song Mm. so 
I think there was a lot of emotional turmoil. I was going through a lot of breakups, just trying to find myself in LA, which was not a place you want to try and look for yourself. Um, And then I think it was probably three or four years after Stronger was released, I got sober um, Mm. because I was just, you know, I was going through, uh, it was part of the journey. And I, um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, everything was, I was sort of looking around at that time in my life and, and I just didn't understand why everything was sort of falling apart, Mm -hmm. why my relationships were falling apart, why my career just like couldn't, um, you know, maintain a steady rhythm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think the one component that was at the root of all of that was, was alcohol. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so once I removed that and started, you know, taking, uh, inventory of my, you know, my sort of character defects and things that I just needed to work on, I, I was able to build a stronger foundation. Yeah. And and then my um and then everything just started to benefit from from that. I met some great collaborators that I still work with today, mm-hmm. like Andrew Watt is still mm-hmm. my number one uh collaborator and we've had we've been working together for um seven or eight years and um we've never had a a falling out that we haven't worked out within like <laughs> a matter of an hour or so and um and I think that is because you know I just am more emotionally stable mm-hmm. and um I can keep my ego in ch- or at least recognize when I'm I'm you know when I'm thinking with my my ego <laughs> and mm-hmm. um so yeah, I mean, and then when when we teamed up, it was um, the first session we did together. We wrote "Let Me Love You" for Justin mm. Bieber, and that was sort of proof that. And Louis Bell was in that session as well uh-huh. with Brian Lee, and um, and that was just sort of proof that like, okay, this is. It just felt really magical yeah. at that time, and I felt like we were all we were all the four of us, Louis. Um, Andrew and Brian and I had, you know, we were very much alike in the way that we wrote. Mm-hmm. Like it was very much like our styles are all they've, you know, a lot of the inspiration, especially during that that run we were on. Um, so, you know, we all we could really channel into our own pain, mm-hmm. and um, and it was extremely cathartic, especially at that you know, time in, in my journey with sobriety and, um, and, but also like a very timely, it was a very, like this, our styles are very classic. Like Mm. Brian has a very Swedish model of writing. Um, same with Lou and, and Watt is very much like driven by great chords Mm. and, and it just felt like a very, it felt like we were all, you know, artists, writing for mm. you know from that place and we went on a really incredible run and Andrew and I are still on it you know <laughs> we still work with Lou and occasionally Brian but it's yeah it's just at I really understood the importance of collaboration yeah. at that time and, and and like um it forced me into 
um, not stick and not like getting stuck in one style mm-hmm. of writing and um, allowing other ideas to come in and sort of dictate um, where the song is headed and, and really just writing for the sake, like to, you know, for the sake of the song and not necessarily for like, you know, making sure that all of my ideas had to be, yeah. Um, present had to be on there and that's a really that's a hard thing and it still is I think you you know it's still to this day you know you you want to make sure that like you're still sharp and you're Mm -hmm. you're you're, you know people are still recognizing your ideas in the room and you're still you know worthy of being there right but um but I can that that part of me sort of kicks you know that that little like it's another ego check. Mm-hmm. It's like, and I still have to, it's a, you know, it's, I'm a work in progress in that, <laughs> in that area of just like, no, you know, my, like my purpose in this room is to make sure that like, that everybody, um, you know, everybody's, uh, strengths are, are, are contributing yeah. to, to the song. Yeah. And, and some sometimes people are going to have uh, better ideas, and <clears throat> that's awesome. It's it's you want to work with people that are challenging you. Yeah, it's so interesting how like songwriting is obviously a skill, but collaboration is a skill. Like that's a separate right. thing, and yeah. like and co writing can bring out like such good songwriting because you have to like put the song first and you have to get out of your head and you have to like think about the other people and be uncomfortable especially with how common it is to just like be writing with different people every day like mm-hmm. like right. learning how to like right. communicate your ideas and like learning how to talk mm-hmm. to people like it's a whole nother thing like I, <laughs> I sometimes say that like learning to co-write and like having ex- like doing more and more sessions like made me just a better like a better friend like it made me like a better person because I'm like I can communicate my feelings in a way that like I really couldn't before I like tried to do this and I can like listen in a way because listening is also such a huge part of co-writing like like you mentioned like not being like oh fuck like my what about my idea like what about this thing that Mm. I want to say like it's not just about what you want to say it's so true yeah and it just being open and aware of of what's happening around mm-hmm. you because mm-hmm. it's, I mean, I still like, I'll say ideas in a, in a session, like lyric, lyric ideas are, I feel like always the, you know, the hard, like the ones that are just like, Oh, should I yeah, say yeah, this? Yeah. How's this yeah. going to be really stupid? Or is it like the best thing ever? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, I find myself just like saying stuff and I just like, it makes me crap up. Cause it like feels <laughs> so cheesy when it comes mm-hmm. out or just like, I'll say it with like this like face and sometimes those work and sometimes it just like helps it like you even knew that it wasn't like a hundred percent, but I always try to say the ideas. Yeah. Now, we talk a lot about a songwriter's toolbox on this podcast, which is essentially just tips and tricks that you use in your day-to-day life as a songwriter. And it could be anything from like starting a voice memo at the beginning of a session so that way you don't forget something or like leave your ego at the door when you go into a room mm-hmm. and we wanted to know three things you have in your songwriter's toolbox yeah so i um 
I live like an hour outside of the city. So, or at least from the studios that I usually work out of. Mm -hmm. So that drive um, is like, that's like my sacred space Mm -hmm. where I sort of just um, clear out my head. And I usually listen to, that's like the only, um, I find, you know, I'll listen to music while I'm cooking or when I have friends over, but it, you know, it's like my, that's like my, like, that's where I study in the car, mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. hour drive. And so I'm just, because music, you know, there's nothing that inspires me more than film and music. Mm. Um, and at at least, you know, at this stage in my life. Mm. I mean, I have, you know, life is so beautiful and colorful and uh, there's so many things to draw from, from, but I think listening to um, sort of thought-provoking lyricists mm-hmm. and um, it just gets me, you know, it gets the creative juices flowing. Mm-hmm. It gets me really um, driven to want to do my best work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always take that time and I don't know, it just sort of resets my brain and and it gets me like geared up to, to go into mm-hmm. making music. Um, and that's really the only, the my only tool that I um, am consistent mm. with. You know, I think that it's so hard to harness creativity. Like you yeah. can't, you know, you can do a mantra every morning and, uh, you know, I think... Um, you know, I like to exercise, so I, um, I just, I just feel better mm-hmm. after. But I, there's no like, there's secret. I haven't been able to like, <laughs> right? It hasn't like, if I exercise or don't exercise before a session, it, I haven't been able to really tell a difference. But <laughs> yeah, um, I'm pretty highly caffeinated before a session, mm-hmm. and then it's just like I, you know, at this stage, I think I know who I'm working mm-hmm. with. Um, I know um, what, you know, there's a mission for the day. Usually it's not just like, let's get together and write a song. Uh It's like, okay, we really, um, especially when I'm working with Andrew, it's like he knows what what the mission Mm. is. He really doesn't get into a room without there being that. So um, we, um, you know, that's, yeah, that's really it. I think I... Um, you know, I, it's really hard. Um, like for example, when working with Andrew, there's not, you're, he doesn't waste any energy on talking before sessions. It's like, Mm. I mean, it's like, Hey, how are you? It's good. Nice to see you. Okay. I've got this riff. Okay. I've got this track. And I think that we're all a little nervous when we first get into a room and um, it feels really good to sort of, you know, just talk. It, it's I enjoy, you know, the conversations before sessions. Mm-hmm. It's just fun, and it, yeah. it's also, but that energy can also be used to just get into it. To get into yeah. it, that's been a trick I've been using, even when I'm not working with Andrew, just as an experiment to see, <clears throat> and it's it works out 
better and you you're you're finished earlier yeah that's true yeah Yeah, I kind of feel like the talking like you're right like the more I'm working with people that I know well and that I like am comfortable with like we would only talk if there's something to talk about like if someone really wants to Mm -hmm. like like this thing happened whatever but when I'm writing with people that I've never met I feel like people think it's better to talk and sometimes it is but if we're just talking about like nothing like if we're just making like awkward talk then I'm like oh it's worse now like now I'm more nervous yeah. than I was before yeah <laughs> like, yeah and I think unless we're gonna like break the ice and like let's just get into it no and I think the best way to break the ice is to come in and and just say listen I have this thought or idea yeah um where I was listening to the song I'd love to make a song that you know has this feel or mm-hmm. whatever that's and you just go in strong yeah. with that yeah. And usually that's everybody sort of like, you know, assumes position mm-hmm. and gets into <laughs> it. So <clears throat> I've been trying that recently. I mean, um, you know, obviously if there's a, a, an artist in the room, you know, we're we're playing, you know, we're playing their game. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's right. sort of on them. That's but true. I think, yeah, I think it's if it, you're just getting into write, I, I would say always come prepared with an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I could be better at that, but I'm a, in a different, It's I'm in a little bit of a different place. So um, when it comes to, like, I already know, I, I know what everyone's going to, I already know how a session's going to go before mm-hmm. it starts, mm-hmm. like, right. based on, but <clears throat> I think there's nothing better and people just love it more when there's you know when when they feel like someone's prepared yeah Mm. that's so interesting because I've heard so many people say like that they don't come in with ideas they're like oh I just want to like talk and like hear what the vibe is and I'm like well I'm maybe I'm just like too much of a nervous person to ever actually do that but I'm like what like yeah, if there happens to be like a vibe in the room, then don't like go, don't like not go with it just for the sake that you had an idea like in your notes. But I'm like, why not? No, there's have nothing one? better than. Yeah, there's <laughs> nothing better than when someone comes in with titles. Yeah. Um, and you know, I just, I think, and I think I do that. Um, in the preparation before, like in that hour before, I'm like, my brain's Mm -hmm. sort of going in that direction. But, Mm -hmm. um, but I think, yeah, the more, you know, the more that you can have that, you know, just, I mean, I, I think there were set, yeah, in the beginning, that's, I heavily relied upon that. that. Yeah. And I feel like. Sorry, you go, Anik. And I was just going to say that I feel like a lot of people that say that they don't come in with ideas, sometimes they'll, like, have the ideas, and then sometimes they'll just, like, they'll start a track, and then they'll, like, hum, like, the chorus top line or, like, something. And it's, like, sometimes it is ideas that people have before, but they're, like, oh, I, I didn't just, prepare this I for this. I wasn't thinking about this at all. No, I had no idea. Because I realized how <laughs> this year there are, like, a whole bunch of people that would, like, just, like, constantly be spitting things out. And I'm, like, how are you doing that? And then they're, like... <laughs> They're like, oh yeah, like just came up with it, and then it's their notes app, and I'm like, okay, yeah. so it's like you just have like yeah. your backlog, which makes sense. Right. Yeah, right. I feel like it's important. Um, one thing I learned, and this goes with kind of like dropping your ego thing that you were talking about, but yes, come in with ideas, but don't 
feel that the idea has to be executed exactly like how you thought. Like maybe it's an yeah. idea, like you have a title, but like the title, like it has to be something that everybody like has at least something to say about. So like I might right. have a title, but then like it ends up being a different story than what the title would be if I was writing it by myself. But mm. like ideas, yes, like spark it, but don't be like, hold oh, now this has to follow this arc that I thought it was going to follow. Right. Yeah. Right. Loosen your grip. Yeah, and I think that concepts are concepts are super important. Mm -hmm. I think that will forever be important. Um, I think song structure is changing. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that um, you know you you will never get away from a great hook and and pre, but Mm -hmm. I think and I think there's. I don't know if there's necess- like the importance behind bridges anymore. Like all of the, th- like, you know, I think it just, if you're writing a song for pitch, mm. mm-hmm. it can't feel like it's written by a songwriter. It can't feel like there was any parameters in place. Like <clears throat> you're more likely to get a song placed if it's just like, unlike any anything you've ever heard break all you know chord patterns and all sorts of things and just make it a just like stream of consciousness Mm. folk song (laughs) Mm. no production or just like the most extraordinary piece of music you've ever heard it's just wild well like speaking of kind of song format changing and stuff we were gonna ask about you've written hits in like different eras of pop like stronger was kind of one era and like um Havana is like totally different as like people's tastes have evolved and like the genres that kind of edge into pop have changed um so do you think about this when you're writing do you think about evolving trends and either like following them or like directing them being like I want pop to sound like this now like I'm gonna do this purposefully or is this something you ever think about yeah of course I mean I I um don't follow trends in that way. Where um, I think we're all, you know, we sort of hear what's going on on the radio or look at the charts and see what's, you know, what's working, and then, um, and then we, you know, we just sort of like try to. Yeah, I think. M- Sonically, um, we're trying to reinvent, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, but, and that's, you know, easier said than done, but, um, it's just so much easier working with the artists because they, m- most artists have that vision in place mm-hmm. of where they want to go sonically, where they want to go conceptually, what they're feeling, how they want to express themselves. And it's just really up to me to, um, to feed different ideas based on, on, on off, you know, where they're at. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Well, when you are writing and you're in a session, what do you think constitutes a good lyric? And if you're looking at a lyric and you're thinking about how to improve it, what are things that you look at improving? Like, at what angles do you take it? You can just feel, um, when a lyric is just sort of a placeholder, Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes it takes, you know, a, a day to to really get that 
you know, when you listen with fresh ears the following day, it's the song sounds completely different. And those type of things stand out. Um, I really, you know, I think always giving yourself, I think two days on a song Mm. is really important. Um, Trying to make sure everything is coming from a real honest place. Like it doesn't feel like it's just, you know, there because it rhymes Mm. or... um, you know, there's, yeah, I think just really pushing the bar in that in that area is, you know, we all get lazy. I think, yeah, um, lyrically, and I, and I think that's what really separates a good song from a great song mm-hmm. is are those pieces that every lyric just feels. You know, I can t- I can just tell like when it's coming from like a a real yeah. thinker or someone who's just able to express those emotions in, mm-hmm. in, um, with, with words that words that just make you think. Yeah. Um, I like to do sometimes in sessions, like kind of dramatic readings, like, yes. yeah. like by the time it's like the second <laughs> verse is like, okay. Someone needs to like put on an accent and read this out loud. And if it sounds really boring, then like there's something wrong because, <laughs> awesome I love that yeah see all of that is great and I you know I I loved you know reading the lyrics down and Mm -hmm. um I've recently started writing lyrics down on paper and Mm -hmm. um and yeah just you know just you really want to push yourself as much as you can So our last question for you is a song breakdown. And we do this mm-hmm. just asking like the progression of a song from the idea, what the session was like, if you were involved in any production or whatever, and then now that it's out, how do you how do you feel about it? So we we're wondering Great. if you would do a song breakdown of Stronger. Okay. Old classic. Of course. Yeah. yeah. I went into that session. It was in Long Beach with David Gamson and Jorgen Ellefson. And um, I had never worked with David before. And um, Jorgen um, is an exceptional Swedish melody writer, mm-hmm. um, also a producer, but really in- incredible uh, melodies. So, um, you know, and at that time I'd had, you know, a, over a year of experience working with him. So I sort of knew how he liked, I knew his formula. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he always, I mean, he was, he'd get upset if I didn't come in with a bunch of, bunch of different <laughs> titles. Like, it, oh, wow. yeah. yeah. So that's, um, that's an example of, of being prepared was that session. Mm-hmm. I walked in with, um, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Mm-hmm. And he, just started with a what doesn't kill you and um and we were off and yeah. so he started writing that melody and then what doesn't kill you stronger that bit was me um and i sort of had to fight him on that because i didn't like follow the his his um, format his yeah his, <laughs> his rule book so um, and then that song was created, um, and it, you know, it was a completely out of my range vocally. Mm. So 
David Gamson had a very talented singer come in. I can't remember her name, but she's an Australian singer. And at that time, she was doing a lot of demos. Mm -hmm. And she just had the most incredible voice, which I think really sold the song. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And that... We finished the song in in one day. Mm -hmm. Um, And then within like a few weeks, David sent us the... um, the demo and we were just ecstatic it was so exciting to hear um it come to life and we just we just felt that that was like a yeah a hit record um and then within like you know a few months uh the record was sent to kelly and and kelly changed a few of the lyrics to make it um you know, fit her, mm-hmm. and she didn't take any publishing, which is like unheard of. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. Huh. And then Greg Kirsten produced it, and he took very little product uh, publishing, which is also unheard of. And the song came together. Yeah, I'm glad it did. Love that song. Yeah, me too. <laughs> oh, did you ever revisit that once you like the second day type of thing? Since you usually do two days on something, or was it just kind of like? You did it, and you were like, wow, this is great. I did it, and I left the session. with I didn't have a memo or anything of the song. Mm-hmm. It was just like we left, and, and I was going through a hard time in my life mm-hmm. at that point. So I just was sort of distracted by life, and then it was just an awesome gift to receive when I, when I first heard the demo. Mm-hmm. Aw, great story. Okay, well, those are all our questions for you today. Thank you so much for chatting. Thank you. Thank you for having me.